guys doing? Good. Man, what a great, great worship set. That was awesome. Uh, Interest in. I loved it. Uh, my name is Justin Craig. I'm the family minister here at Windsor Road. And uh, this morning we are continuing our journey through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and I, I love the Lord's Prayer because there are just so many different aspects to learn from. There's so many different aspects to, to grab information from. And this morning, my prayer is that it's going to be no different. Uh, the Lord's Prayer says that our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This morning we are going to be focusing in on one aspect of this prayer. One piece of this prayer that I think is so critically important. But before we get there, I want us to pray. Father, we are grateful for the opportunity to gather here. Lord, we are grateful for the opportunity to call you our Father, to come to you in our greatest joys and in our greatest needs. Father, I pray that you would give us open hearts as we open your scripture this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when I was a kid, I thought the pastor had a secret uh, like phone call into my mind and into my life. Have you ever felt like you're at church and the pastor is looking directly at you and speaking directly to the sin that's in your life? No, it's just me? You guys are crazy. When I was a kid, Pastor Willard Kelly at Central Christian Church, Rockford, Illinois, was talking directly to me one Sunday morning. My parents were up on stage leading worship. They come down, they sit down. We sit in the front row because we were those people. Uh, we sat in the front row so that the preacher could really look at me. Maybe my parents had an agenda where they were, they were really trying to get me to listen. So they're like, he can't goof around in the front row. Well, I could, but that's a different story. And so we sit down and Pastor Kelly gets up and he starts to talk. And he's talking about temptation. And he's talking about sin. And I'm sitting there going, oh, no. He knows. Does anybody else know? Oh, everybody else knows. Anybody else ever feel like that? I always feel like that. Like I feel like he was talking directly to me. He talked about temptation and sin for what seemed like days. Uh, and I was, just, I was just enthralled by it because I felt like he knew that at that point in my life, my greatest sin was lying. I felt like he knew that and he was speaking directly to me. And not only that, I felt like everybody behind me knew that too. And everybody's eyes were looking right at me and everybody's going, this kid's a liar. I see it. He's going to get up at the end of service. He's going to have the name liar written over the top of his forehead. Boy, that'd be terrible to have our sins written on our face. That'd be awful. Uh, and so I just remember being in that moment just being so scared that the pastor knew me. But he knew something he knew that we all had temptation. He knew that we all had sin. He knew that we all had struggle. And that's the portion of the Lord's Prayer we're going to look at this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I think, there's, I think it's important for us to have some background to this. I think it's important for us to define a few things here. First of all, I want to define temptation. I think it's important for us to move forward as we lean in together. I think it's important for us to have the right definition of temptation. Temptation is an opportunity to violate, disrupt, and break the moral code of the kingdom of God. 
Temptation is an opportunity to violate, disrupt, and break the moral code of the kingdom of God. Temptation focuses on the sin before us. And we can use examples all through Scripture. Adam and Eve, right? We don't have to get very far in the story of Scripture to understand that temptation and sin are going to play a key role in this story. Right? We could talk about David and Bathsheba. We could talk about Noah and his drunkenness. We could talk about Judas who betrays Jesus for a few silver coins he never spends. Temptation is an opportunity that violates the moral code of the kingdom of God. Now, a lot of the time, we as Christians get this mixed up between temptation and testing. Okay? We, we get this messed up between a temptation of sin and a testing from God. Testing is an opportunity to either trust God or to not trust God. Testing focuses on faith rather than on sin. And we can talk about Abraham and Isaac in this situation, right? Abraham leads Isaac up to the mountain to, to offer a sacrifice. Isaac doesn't know that he's the sacrifice. God is testing Abraham's faith. Abraham places his son on the altar, and God says, hold on. Use that ram over there. Or we could talk about Job, right? We could talk about the testing of Job, where, where everything is taken away from him, and he still clings to God. James chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 says this about temptation. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by their own desire. Today as we lean in together, it's important to note that we are going to be talking about temptation. We're talking about the sin that so easily entangles us. We're talking about the situations that arise where we are drawn to a sinful situation. Anybody feel like we're talking to you right now? I do. I'm just, like, just being honest. I also think it's important for us to understand that this is a proactive prayer. This is a prayer that happens before the sin happens. This is, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is a prayer that happens before the sin. But I think a lot of the time, as Christians, we are reactive prayer warriors. I don't think that we are proactive prayer warriors as often as we should be. We normally wait until the bottom falls out, and then we run to God. But see, God isn't designed to be our finish line. He's designed to be our starting block. See, when we start to pray in anticipation that God is going to move mountains, we will start to look for the mountains that God has moved. When we anticipate that we will need Jesus throughout the day, we'll be ready to look for Jesus throughout the day. Jesus is not simply teaching us how to pray here. He's teaching us how to live. Dr. Derwin Gray is pastor of Transformation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. He said this this last week. He said, Jesus is not a resource. Jesus is the source. See, when we pray in, in a reactive way, Jesus is a resource to us, right? The bottom has fallen out. We have nowhere else to go. So we run to Jesus, but Jesus is not a resource. He is the source. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So what's our main point this morning? Where are we going? It's not groundbreaking information. There was no really cool way to say this, so it's just straightforward. Sin is constant. So is our need for a Savior. Sin and temptation are constant. We don't have to look very far 
to see and understand that sin is going to be a problem for absolutely everyone in our world. We don't have to look farther than our mirror to understand that sin is going to be a problem for us. So because of this, we should understand that we have a daily need for a Savior. Our need for Jesus does not ever change. Sin is constant. Sin is persistent. Sin is an everyday challenge, and we have an everyday Savior. Jesus doesn't take days off. Jesus doesn't need a break. Jesus doesn't sway his opinion about us based on our current circumstances. See, it's funny. Jesus includes, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil because we need to be led in a different direction. And we need to be delivered. And the only one who can lead us to hope and deliver us from evil is Jesus. So this morning, we're going to focus in on two aspects of this, of this portion of the prayer. And I, I think it's important to note that this is not a separate prayer. Like each sentence is not a separate prayer. This is like the fruit of the Spirit, right? You can't pick and choose which part of the fruit of the Spirit you want to be. You can't say, well, I'm going to be love and kindness, but I don't want to be patient. That's not part of the deal. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's one, the same way here with the Lord's Prayer. You can't pick and choose. Last Sunday we talked about give us this day our daily bread. That sounds really good, but then this verse says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That doesn't sound as good, but we can't pick and choose. This is where we're going to sit. And so this morning, as we focus in on two of these aspects, I want us to just really lean into this. The first thing that we're going to talk about is found in the first three words of, the Lord, of this part of the scripture here. And lead us not into temptation. Lead us. See, God has experience in leading his people. Right? We could talk about the Israelites. Okay, the Israelites, they're, they're led out of Egypt by Moses with, with God's commanding help. They are led towards the promised land. God walks them through 40 years, not of wandering in the wilderness, but dealing with their own wilderness. God takes them out of an abusive, enslaved, and unjustified imprisonment and leads them where he wants them to be. God gives them what they need so he can lead them where they need to go. You see, God has plenty of experience in leading his people. And if we are inviting God to lead us, we must be willing to go. If we are inviting God to lead us, we must be willing to go. There has to be a willingness to be led. What does that mean? It means the same thing that it meant for the Israelites. We have to follow God into the unknown and be satisfied that while we don't know where we are going, God does. And in this, we're going to lose a couple of things. Just like the Israelites lost a few things. When we invite God to lead us, we will lose our comfort. Oh, that's so terrible, right? Oh, Air conditioning, this time of year is just wonderful. The comfort of air conditioning is so great. We will lose our comfort when we invite God to lead us. The comfort of our normal, right? The normal, right? That's been the key phrase, man. I can't wait for things to get back to normal. Normal clearly was not working for us. See, the comfort of our normal needs to be traded for the comfort of our Savior, if we are asking God to come into our lives and lead us not into temptation, then we are inviting God to lead us where the Savior goes, not where the sinful are comfortable. But we like being comfortable, right? 
It's like, oh, God, I'll love, I'll, you lead me wherever you go, but that's not a comfortable space. I don't want to go over there. God, lead us. Please lead us, but not that direction. No, Wendy's is that way. Like, that's comfortable. Let's go that way. We like being comfortable. But when we ask God to lead us, we are saying that our trust in him is more important than our comfort of our sin. When we invite God to lead us, we will lose our comfort. And we will lose our control. Our willingness to be led must overpower our desire to be in control. Let me say that again. Our willingness to be led must overpower our desire to be in control. Because if it doesn't, control becomes our focus and God becomes a last resort. God becomes the place where we go to when we are out of ideas and full of anxiety. We want to play the hero of our own story. We want, we want to control the outcome. We want to get to say who has the say and who doesn't. If this season of life has taught us nothing else, it has taught us that we are not in control. When we invite God to lead us, we are asking God to take us in a direction that we don't know yet and that we can't get to on our own. There's got to be a little bit of surrender. No, there's got to be a whole lot of surrender. And, and I think it's important to note that we aren't surrendering because we're defeated, but we're surrendering because there's a higher power. We aren't surrendering because we have to, but we're surrendering because we should. Surrendering comfort and control is going to require trust. Boy, that's a big, heavy word, isn't it? Trust. It takes a long time to build up trust between one person to another. But let me ask you this. In the relationship that you have and that I have, these personal relationships with God, Who's more trustworthy? I know in my conversation with God, it's not me. You see, a lot of the time my heart says, God, I trust you. My voice says I trust you, but my actions tell a different story. Too often we spend our time micromanaging God. We want him to lead us, but we want to be involved in the planning. We say we trust him, but our heart says a different thing. If we're going to surrender comfort and control in order, to, in order for God to lead us, we need to trust in God's will, trust in God's plan, and trust in God's timing. If we are inviting God to lead us, we have to be willing to go. The second thing I want us to, to understand and unpack about this scripture is this. It's found in the second half of this, of this verse. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God has experience in deliverance too. Right? I mean, let's look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is on his way to imprison more Christians, and Jesus appears to him, changes his entire life, delivers him out of something and into something new. The Apostle Paul then, then goes into a situation that he is uncomfortable with. He's, he's, not put, he's not trying to put more Christians in his own hands. Now he's in the hands of God's servants, guiding him and leading him. And now Paul has some of the same opportunities to preach the word of God, that, the same opportunities he was trying to take from somebody else. 
See, Paul's journey started out really confused. And he ended up being one of the most influential voices in Scripture. If we're asking God to deliver us, we have to not just be willing to go, we have to be willing to let go. To let go of our past pains and our future plans, to let go of our preconceived ideas and desires, to not just let go of control, but to give it over, right? See, when you let go of something, it's easy to grab right back on. I think of a roller coaster, right? Going on a roller coaster, it's like, yeah, and then I get a little scared and grab on, right? Like, I can let go for a second and enjoy, but I can grab right back on. See, when we let go of our control, we have to give it over to God. We have to release our ideas, our desires, our wants, and our comfort to embrace what God is delivering us from and what God is delivering us to. See, I think that's an important piece, right? God is not just delivering us from something, right? When we say deliver us from evil, that means we're taking out of a situation and being put into a new one. Deliver us from evil is not just what we're being delivered from, but what we are being delivered to, When we ask God to deliver us from evil, we are not simply asking God to deliver us from the work that Satan is doing in the world. The word deliver, it actually means to to rescue from danger, right? The original Greek word for deliver means to rescue from danger, to save and preserve. And a lot of the time we associate danger to be out there somewhere, right? It's dangerous out there. We can be really quick to understand that danger lives out there, and it's not difficult to see. But we start to neglect the danger that lives in here. We start to neglect the danger that lives inside of our hearts. And yes, danger exists in the world. Evil absolutely exists in the world. Temptation exists in our world. But it becomes very easy to see the danger that lives in front of us, not the danger that lives inside us. This is not simply a deliverance and safety from the world around us but deliverance and rescue from the danger that lives inside of us. It's easy to see the evil in front, but it becomes a little more difficult to see the evil that's inside. This is the battle of the heart and the battle for the heart. Deliver us from evil is a call for rescue. It's a call for preservation, and it's a call for purification. See, we can't simply run away from the evil that lives inside of us. We can block ourselves out from as much as we want to from the outside world. But it's the evil inside of us that really can hurt us. Scripture is very clear that, that from the heart flows the rest of our lives. And our heart is not meant to carry evil. Our heart is not meant to carry temptation. Our heart is not meant to carry sin. Our heart is meant to be a dwelling place for the Lord. We have to call on God to deliver us, to preserve us and to purify us because if we ignore the evil inside, it will quickly become evil on the outside. And this is gonna require some incredible examination Man, that's not the fun part. Let's just talk about that for a second. Because I think we all have these these sin blind spots in our lives. 
I think we have these blind spots to where we just kind of brush away or we say, well, my sin's not as bad as that guy's. My sin's not as bad as hers. Like my sin, is, my sin looks a lot shinier than that person's does because I take time with my sin. I carry it with me. I hold on to it. I polish it. I make it look really nice so my sin is presentable. I think these are our blind spots. And this might require us to read scripture, not just to get through it, but to get something from it. If we are going to grow through our blind spots, if we're going to grow through the sin that sits inside of us that so easily entangles us, that we need to be delivered from, this might require that we pray not just for things that we need, but pray for things that our heart needs. This might require us to ask difficult questions about ourselves to our best friends, to our mentors, to our spouses. The battle of our hearts and the battle for our hearts are too important for us to ignore. And the sin that has been built up and built upon needs to be addressed in our lives. It's not just dangerous out there. It's dangerous when we ignore what's inside. David Timms uh, writes a book called Living the Lord's Prayer. If you're looking for a follow-up to our series on the Lord's Prayer, this is a great, it's a, it's a short book. It's a great resource. It uh, just kind of unpacks uh, a lot of the Lord's Prayer. He says this in his book, David Timms writes, he says, Our hearts harbor the very evil we despise the most. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's a really good quote. I'm not even done, so it's great. Our hearts harbor the very evil we despise the most. He says this, Our most mortal enemy is not the one who forces us against our will, but the one who destroys us by appealing to our will. Our most mortal enemy is not the one who forces us against our will, but the one who destroys us by appealing to our will. If we're going to ask God to deliver us, we have to be willing to let go. I think it's important for us to know and understand that we all have differences, right? We differ in personality, in taste, background, experience, race, political lines, and whether we like crunchy peanut butter or creamy. If you like crunchy, we'll pray for you afterwards. It's not supposed to be crunchy. We all have differences, but sin makes us equals. It doesn't matter who's standing up here and who's sitting out there. We are equals because of the sin that we have in our lives. Sin respects no one. It aims to destroy us all. Sin targets our most vulnerable and weak moments of temptation where our will is competing against God's will. And sin targets those moments where everything is going according to plan. Sin does not discriminate against race, gender, age, weakness, or strength. Sin attacks plain and simple. Satan attacks plain and simple. So yeah, sin is constant. So is our need for a savior. So will we invite Jesus to lead us or will we invite our temptation to do that? See, we might have a willingness to be led, but do we have a willingness to surrender? Are we willing to surrender more than on Sunday? Are we willing to surrender our Monday through Saturday? Are we willing to surrender not just our will, but our hearts too? And I think before we pray this prayer, 
I think we have to ask ourselves a very real question, a question that we have to answer. Do we really want to be delivered? See, I think the greatest cry that we can make is deliverer, deliver us. I said this before, but I want to wrap up with this. Jesus includes lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil because we need to be led in a different direction. And we need to be delivered from the evil that is living inside. And the only one who can lead us to hope and deliver us from evil is Jesus.